Welcome back to IVFU. This is our first episode of season two, and things are a little different for me this time. As many of you know, I spent eight years doing every kind of fertility treatment to try to have a baby. And during most of last season, our surrogate was pregnant with our son, Darwin. Well, now Darwin's two years old, and yet, strangely, I still struggle with my infertility as part of my identity. I feel like it keeps me apart from quote-unquote normal parents, but really, what's normal, right? We'll talk a lot this season about that idea of normal and also the search for identity and meaning on this crazy baby-making roller coaster. I promise some laughs, definitely some tears, and a bit of venting. Just just a bit of venting. (laughs) So let's get right to it. For our season two premiere, I'm so psyched for you to meet Jamie Kelton and Robin Hopkins, hosts of the award-winning podcast, If These Ovaries Could Talk. It's all about the making and raising of LGBTQ families. They're hilarious and they're brutally real. Uh, Partner jealousy, anyone? And they also teach us a lot about intentionality, conquering obstacles, and the importance of celebrating even the smallest of victories. My only other name drop is that I got to, I was a talent escort for Prince during the time when (gasps) he was the artist formerly known as at one of the VMAs. And I was standing with him and he whispered, he wouldn't talk out loud. He was like, to like his manager. And the manager said, the artist would like everyone to leave but her. And I was (gasps) like, you heard him folks. Clear it out. (laughs) Clear it out. I want wow. that lesbian in the corner. I want that one. I want that <laughs> I lesbian that one. in the softball shirt. He was so tiny and so cute. So. Yeah, you had a stroke. <laughs> well, first, I just want to say hello, Jamie. Hello, Robin. I'm so happy you're here. Us too. You have a fabulous podcast called If These Ovaries Could Talk, which is at ovariestalk.com. I'm just plugging you yep, right up at the top of the whole Go thing. For it. You have a fabulous book called If These Ovaries Could Talk, which is also at ovariestalk.com. <laughs> you... Each have two kids. Mm-hmm. You each have a wife. You are not mm-hmm. married to each other. That is Let's important. Get it all out That's on the important. table. We like to make that clear. I'm it's so very glad important. you did that for us. I know. Because yes. we always sound really bitchy when we do it. Can I swear? I'm so sorry if I can't. No, it's called IVFU. Mm. So yeah. keep that in okay, mind. Yeah. How okay, did I miss yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. you can yeah. say fuck so as many dumb. times as you want to. Yeah, I will make it my mission. Because <laughs> that's how I feel about IVF. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's where it came from. Um, we also, so, you know, we left off one important thing. I don't know if everybody knows, but we're both lesbians and that's what our podcast is about. Well, we said we have wives. I mean, I feel like that's implied. Okay, right. And the, and the podcast true. is about LGBTQ families. families. Sure. I guess yes. that's important The, the to making mention. of and the parenting of. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Right. So, Robin, yeah, let's start with you. Yeah, so, yeah. when you met your wife. Mary's the best. I love Mary Because so everyone much. likes Mary better than me. <laughs> yeah. When was that first conversation of let's have a family? Was that right away? <laughs> yeah, well, did so. Did you move in the next day, like a tried and true lesbian, or like when did this happen? Like, date two, <laughs> I asked Mary if she ever wanted to give birth. And she was like, it was like so Mary, she like went to her, her OB and was like, can I still give birth? And then she came back and she was like, the OB said I could. And I was like, no, but that's not even the question I asked you. I said, would you want to? And so Mm -hmm. it started this whole thing. Like she didn't want kids or didn't know, like she just didn't even think it was a possibility. And that's something we come across in the podcast a lot of like, you know, we're not the 20 year olds that are coming out now. So we didn't, we didn't see that much representation. And so gay parents. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always knew I wanted kids and just was like, I'm doing this. 
And when you were dating, were you looking for a woman who also wanted kids? I mean, I was looking for a person that I wanted to be with. And I knew Mm -hmm. Mary was my person, really, like, before we even started dating. Like, I just knew she was my person. And I also knew, like, this, like, little pesky detail of her not wanting kids. I was like, no, we'll get her there. I was like, it's fine. (laughs) Like, I mean, I I made up this whole thing of, like, you know, go off and think about it. But I didn't really mean it. Like, I don't know what I would have done if she said I don't want kids. Like You meant go off and decide that you agree with me. Yeah, yeah. And then get back to me. Basically, yeah. Yeah. rolls anyway, so much. <laughs> and so it, then, and then once we got on board, we were going to do reciprocal IVF. Um, and and we, what is that? So that's when we were going to take my, Mary was a little older than me, so we were going to take my eggs and Mary was going to carry. And we uh, went into the doctor. Basically, and, it's surrogacy. Yeah, pretty much. Within a marriage, but, yeah, you yeah. Know, within a couple. Is, so, it, is mm-hmm. that very common with gay female couples? I wondered yes. about that. Yeah. Okay. And it's really, it's it. a way for both people to be equally physically involved in the process. Yeah. Yes. And that's what we and said. We expensive. thought it was the coolest thing in the world because we were like, it would have the genetic blueprint of me, but would literally be made from her bones. And I thought right. that was the coolest thing ever. It would be the closest way that two women can have a kid together. Um, and to pause you for a sec, how does yeah. a couple decide who's doing which role there? Do you think there's ever a competition? Like, well, what's wrong with my eggs? Why can't I be, you know, or is it? <laughs> I think yes and yes and yes. I think yeah. it, every every story is unique and every story is different. Um, and there is always a conversation. The answer is there is always a conversation around that question. Who wants it more? Whose eggs are better? Age, all these factors. Yeah. 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 And then I also wonder what the psychology is when the person, let's say, chosen to carry the child runs into trouble. You know, now suddenly you're doing IVF. You're you're putting up your hand, Jamie. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I asked Anne the first night we met, uh, like while in bed, um, so you want to have kids? <laughs> and her, because I always wanted kids and it didn't matter that I was gay. I was going to make it happen. Um, and her answer, and Robin makes fun of me because my I always imitate and like she's really, really Like she's a truck queen. driver from Queens. <laughs> Because she's from Queens. She works in a garage. But her, her answer was, well, I think it's too late for me. That was her answer. And that's not how she sounds like at all. Not at all. I have to do it like that. Um, she does have a strong Queens accent, though. Let's yeah. be real. But anyway, so, uh, you know, she she was uh, 37 when I met her. And she had, that was her answer. And then after we were together longer and knew that it, this was it, this was it, um, we decided, yeah, we do want to have kids, but I would be the one to carry because I'm younger. And sorry, so would that be reciprocal as well, though? Or mm-hmm. your egg, you carry? My egg, I carry. You carry, okay. Yeah. Um, and then literally like the week after we got married, we're hanging out in a bar together as lesbians do, drinking beers. And she just all of a sudden like busts out with, you know, I think I want to carry. And I was like, <laughs> what? What? So I was thrown for a loop. Yeah. Uh, a big, big loop because um, we had time. I was still young in my eyes. So yeah. I thought we had a timeline. I was still working on my career. Like, I wasn't ready for this. Yeah. But since she wants to carry, that means, A, we're having two now because I'm not giving up on carrying. Oh. And, B, yeah. we're starting right now because she was uh, 41 at the time. Wow. So that threw us for a big loop. So she went first. We and started when with- she said she wanted to carry, she meant also with her egg, not a yes. reciprocal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both wanted the genetics and we both wanted to carry, um, which makes things kind of complicated. So yeah. um, so hers was relatively easy. Um, she, we started with IUI 
she did about five IUIs that didn't work. So the doctor suggested like mid-cycle, let's switch to IVF. Um, and so we switched to IVF and that one worked. And then our daughter was born. Wow. And that was the easy and one. That was but. the easy, right. That was the easy one. And then how, and how are you feeling in that process? I mean, obviously you want to support her. You're excited. You are working on having a child, but is part of you feeling a little angry maybe that you um, weren't allowed to just take care of it? Yeah, all of the above, like yeah. um, all kinds of emotions, just um, scared. Am I going to be connected to this child? This wasn't my dream. I never wanted to have a non-bio kid. It sounds, all, this right. sounds heartless, but. But this is what we go through. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To be honest, I always wanted to have a kid with my biological makeup, um, right. which sounds I, selfish, but it is what it is. But I think that's, that's the core of the emotion of all of people on all sides. I mean, you know, male couples hetero couples, you know, I, I wanted basically my thing stemmed from my dad. I loved my dad so much. He passed away. I had always thought when I have a kid, I'll be carrying on this super mm-hmm. awesome thing that, I mean, I love my mom too, but you know, <laughs> my dad was, is like very connected to me. And, and all of a sudden when we had to move to egg donor, it's, it was a similar thing. It was like, I don't get to carry on my genetics. And that's right. a very big moment that takes a lot of reckoning and a lot of work to wrap your head around. Yeah. But th- right. but this whole thing is why... So, Robin, yeah, let's go back to you. No, I, I mean, I, Mary and I were considering spending $40,000 and walking down the our, the reciprocal IVF path because Mary was worried she wasn't going to connect. She was like, well, I won't have any genetics involved. And yeah. so we were like, all right, well, this way we can do it. And then we get to the point where they, they give us all these prescriptions. We've got like 10 laid out for each of us on the table. And we were drinking, we're having a margarita and, and we're sitting there and, and they had also printed out the paper that's like, this is either going to cost 6000 or 26000 depending. <gasps> and we were like, God. Uh. and we started to do the math. We were like, all right, you know, because of her age, we were like, we have one shot that we could pay for this just once. It will take all our money. Yeah. And we were like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. and, and and I still would have done it because of her fear of being disconnected. And she had to be the one. And she said, you know, I think we're doing this the hardest possible way. And I was like, yeah. And she said, yeah. I don't think I need it. And so we stopped it right then and there. And I did a IUI two weeks later. And she got pregnant. Yeah, and I got pregnant that first time. I, I miscarried, but I did get pregnant that first time. And yeah. and the thing in hindsight that I regret is that I don't feel like I gave her enough time. Because I, I do think, especially when you get into the fertility world, once you want to, and, and we are automatically forced as LGBTQ people into the fertility world. Like it's not, it's like just boom, you have to do that because money's coming out, like you're paying the money. So right. like as soon as you're, like I want, you want to move forward immediately. And I moved us forward immediately and I would have given her like, what would it have killed me to just give her another month to process that? She still needed more time? I think she think could have. I mean, Mary, I could have given her longer. a minute, I think. And I think, yeah. but she says she's fine. And and then, I mean, she was a little disconnected during my pregnancy. Um, but then the second the kid popped out, you know, I just was sitting there after feeling this. And I was just like, I was like, what happened? But she was, and she was sobbing. Just oh like gosh. joyfully sobbing, running around, taking pictures. Wow. And so I'm curious too. So we, so, you know, we had a surrogate and I actually found myself sometimes being jealous of my surrogate 
because mm. she could be pregnant and I couldn't. She sent us a baby mm. bump photo and I had very strange, irrational, conflicting feelings. Did either of you guys? I had that when my yeah. wife was pregnant. I totally did. I mean, yeah, I was I pregnant both times. So do you think Mary felt anything like that? I think she just was like herself. Like she was, mm-hmm. she was trying to figure out, she got some book about dads and what to do in the hospital because she just wanted to figure out how she could help because her biggest fear is that she would be like the dad carrying the diaper bag behind me and the kid. Right. You know, she, it's always like her biggest fear is that she'll be left out. So she was right. just trying to figure out how to be involved. Which is, so that's kind of, an, it's, that's not jealousy or anything, but that's another version of that. Yeah. It's like, what's my job? Yeah. You know, what's well, my identity and, in this? And that's why as soon as the baby came out, she had it. She had a job. Yeah. She was mom. And so she, my job. and she talks about, she never felt disconnected once the babies popped out, just because she, then she knew her place. Yeah. And what would you say, Jamie? Yeah. But that's the other thing. There's two moms, you know, there's yeah. two moms in these equations. And so, and, and so balancing which mom does what and how and and when and that's a whole nother that's a whole nother layer of our families. Yeah, yeah. Which I I do want to talk about that. By the way, every one actually. of your questions is a chapter in our book. If oh, these ovaries good. could talk the things we've learned about making an LGBTQ family. If these ovaries could talk the things we've learned about making an LGBTQ family. Well done. Um, <laughs> I don't think you, you said that fast enough. Yes, it's a competition for who can say it the fastest. Actually, <laughs> between the two of us. Yeah. Well, I I was like I was like I'm supposed to read their book and then no, I'm you're, you're fine. I'm not Terry Gross. I'm not. I don't have time. No, I, you've done a lot of research. Yeah. I'm very impressed with you. Well, it's easy because it's so much fun. Everyone, you have to go to ovariestalk.com. There's videos and you can you can just got to listen to this podcast. I just love it. Um, so then for Jamie, for you, was there a moment where, you know, you're feeling kind of jealous and you're like, well, how did we wind up doing it this way? Yeah. I'm, a je- I'm the jealous type. I just get jealous at the drop <laughs> of a pin. So um, I was jealous from the start when we agreed, you know, that she was going to go first and she was going to carry. And um, I was jealous and scared from the get-go. And I... I say it in the book, I made her promise like daily that yes, you, yes, you will still get to have a baby. We are still, we are not stopping at one. She had to tell me, like, this was an ongoing conversation because my fears just took hold and I was scared. So let's Um, go to number two then. So now we're trying for number two. So we just, you know, we assume I'm 36 or 37 when we started trying with me. We didn't tell anybody we were starting because I wanted to get like secretly magically pregnant, you know, and like make a big announcement when I was already like (laughs) five months along. Oh, we're going to have a baby. You know, (laughs) I thought it was just going to be like this piece of case. No problem. Um, And Beyonce quick drop moment. Yeah, I was literally going to drop the mic and like (laughs) rub my belly. But um, so our doctor just said, well, you know, you're there, there should be no problems with you. Why don't we just to be safe because you want the same donor. Let's just go straight to IVF. We had already gone through the IVF route with Anne and, um, realized mid cycle that IVF is not paid for under insurance and had already like liquidated her pension to pay oh. for that IVF cycle. And so we were faced with this conundrum. We decided to do it. We put it on a credit card and figure out how we're going to pay for it later. We said, okay, let's do it. Let's get this one baby. Let, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and we thought that was going to work. Didn't work. Go back for this transfer of the next embryos. And they say, let's just put all three in because these two look like shit. Yeah. Um, and we're like, oh, my God, we don't want triplets. You know, I'm still thinking yeah. I'm going to get. It's going to work. I'm going to get multiples. Oh, I can, we can't have twins. We already have one. You know, like the right. conversations we had are, are so comical to me at this point. 
do that. It fails. Okay, so then then we switch to IUI. We bring my uh, sperm donor out of retirement, which costs all this money that we don't have. And oh takes time. Takes so how does this work? You bring him out of retirement. What, you're like bribing him? Or how well, are you no, getting so this, this? If if there is already a sibling created by this donor, oh. you can petition the sperm bank to go to the donor and ask, are you open to donating again? Because this family wants to create a sibling. Interesting. So okay. they did that. And he said yes, which tells me we picked an amazing donor. So uh, brought him out of retirement, paid all this money, waited the six-month quarantine for the sperm to look okay, bought all the sperm up, and then started again, but started with IUIs. So like long story short, I did over 20 IUIs, I think. Wow. Um, Another IVF that didn't work. That That was the last one. That was like we had gone two and a half years trying, trying, trying. Um, we went for our final IVF. This was all we could scrape together. This was our last try. We got one try out of it. We got one transfer out of it. And the, all the eggs looked crappy when we went in to, when you go in to do the um, transfer. Yeah. And you're, you're laying on the bed and the doctor comes in to show you the quality of the eggs. And he the said. The embryos, yeah. These, yeah, of the embryos. He, and he said, these all look bad. I don't think this is going to work. Ugh. And I was like, well, put what, them in anyway. What a cheerleader. <laughs> Stick it yeah. Oh, it was awful. And so oh my gosh. Um, that didn't work. I went through like a crazy depression after that one didn't work and was ready to stop. And then finally had this moment of clarity. I had this dream. It's in the book where rainbows <laughs> like sprouted out of my shoulder. I don't even know. It's the weirdest thing, but <laughs> I was in this depression. I never, I wasn't getting out of bed. I was having a hard time yeah. not telling anybody though that I was depressed because I'm too tough to be depressed over this. I already have a baby too. Like I'm not, I, I'm too tough for this to phase me. It's fine. Right. I'm fine. Right. Um, right. But I was secretly like really struggling for a bit. And Were you telling your wife though or was it that no. inside? Oh, so you really closed down. Yeah. I didn't want to tell anybody. It was, and were you I, I, looking for support? I don't know. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want yeah. anybody up in my business. This was my private struggle. I, I have a hard time reaching out for help, I guess. So, um, Well, it can be very hard to reach out for, especially and, when the rest of the world is just happily skipping along, picking up their car seats and, yeah, and their double strollers and having their two kids and no big deal. And, and yeah. Honestly, like nobody ever said the things I wanted to hear anyway. So uh, why am I going to reach out to you? You're just going to say some bullshit that doesn't resonate with me. And I don't want to yeah. hear what you have to say. Yeah, I'm just going to deal with this on my own. So I would just Google. And again, like, just to, sorry, I keep interrupting, but mm-hmm. to remind people that your diagnosis was completely unhelpful because it was unexplained infertility, yeah. which I had, which so many people have. So you can't even be like, oh, I'll stop smoking cigarette, you know, or like right. I, there's not a thing you can do to exactly. solve the problem. Yeah. And every, every time we'd go to the doctor, I don't know why it's not working. I don't get it. Like, thank you. That's mm. so helpful. And I was in this little (laughs) boutique fertility center. So like they really knew me and it was one person and it was one doctor. And every time I would go in there just was like, it was just layering on me. Like it's a failure. Every time you go back to that office, it's this huge failure. And it just was starting to really, so I would Google like uh, a lesbian fertility story. Um, I tried so many ways of Googling, trying to find my story mirrored somewhere else and I couldn't find it. And that's, Mm. that's why we started this podcast, Robin and I. Um, There can also be a real challenge. And this is why I started this podcast to find the place of support that suits your personality as well. So there's a lot of like rainbows and pineapples and little cute babies with bows and like that end of 
the fertility struggle world. And that's wonderful for people that can respond to that. And, you know, and then there's a lot of like, look at me puking in the toilet yesterday. And here's what I just pulled out of my vagina. Yeah. And like that part of the fertility world, which none of that was working for me at all. <laughs> so, so that's where my whole project came from as well. That's where IVFU. So anyway, that's, I totally understand that. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good point you make. And I haven't even ever realized that, but yeah, I needed to find the the right kind of support for myself and talking to my friends is not, is not that. That's not yeah. it. Um, sorry, friends. We, and we, we get you. that a lot about the podcast. We get emails all the time of people saying, I felt really alone in the process thank you so much for this. Like, I, like, I didn't know, I don't know any, when I don't have like a big LGBTQ community or I didn't know how I was going to make my kid. And like, it's just so nice to hear that they're finding exactly what Jamie couldn't find. Right. 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 So, so I had this, had this epiphany moment where rainbow sprouted out of my shoulder blades and it was near pride time. It was like <gasps> June. So I was like, yeah. and then I woke up then I woke up that day and I felt better. Like I was, I had, I, I mourned it. I was done. I was ready to move forward. I saw rainbows everywhere. I went for the next three months. I mean, it was pride, so that's not that hard. Right. But, <laughs> exactly. You know, and um, and then I was ready to start fresh, and I I made some changes. I said, you know what? This doctor, our doctor, kept saying, and this is the one that that made our daughter too. So we've been with him for a very long time. He kept saying, well, I'm, I look at this like a scientist, and if one thing. Isn't if, if if it's not working, you have to switch one part of the formula. And he kept so we kept making switches, yep. the drugs or the da da. And finally, I was I was sitting there thinking about that, and I said, you know what it is? I'm switching doctors. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna switch doctors. Screw him. I'm done with him. I don't feel good when I go in that office anymore. Anyway, he keeps saying change a part of the of the program. And so we're changing. We, I switched doctors. I went on this big acupuncture regimen. I started taking all these herbs. I read this book. I got rid of all the plastics in my life. I started making like big changes, um, lifestyle changes and went to this new doctor, did one IUI, didn't work, went for the second IUI and it took. Wow. Yeah. Like Random. Right. Random. Wow. So, well, one thing I thought was so interesting, and I think it was the episode with the trailblazing mamas, is, Jamie, you were talking about how it was always a point of no return that you had come out, but suddenly you were a mother and you had children you had to protect and be honest with and make sure they understood what was going on. And you said something like you came out in a way you hadn't come out before, or it was like a permanent line in the sand. Yeah, it's a big thing um, that that kind of happens when you become a parent as an LGBTQ person. You know, before kids, especially me, who, if you look at me, you're not going to assume I'm gay upon first seeing me, which, which, much to my chagrin, like, that bugs me. Like, I want you to just assume I'm gay, but that's my issue. <laughs> but, like, um, you're not going to assume it. So I got to choose when and who I came out to all through my young adulthood, you know, I didn't have to tell the taxi driver if he asked me if I was going to see my boyfriend. Yeah, I'm going to see my boyfriend or the guy at the bodega. Like, where's your husband? I don't know. He's in the house. You know, like I could just choose who I came out to. But when the kids come into the picture, I can't do that anymore. Right. I can't. That's lying. That's hiding. Yeah. And my kids know. And then my kids see that. And then they see that, oh, this is something to hide. What? Shame. Some, you know. So you have to, all of a sudden, you have to declare it loud and proud. Yeah. I'm proud of this. This is who I am. And you have to model that for your kids. Yeah. yeah. I think it goes, too, into the conversations about, you know, when you tell your kids about how they came to be. And the whole point of it is to normalize 
all of it, right? Adoption, egg donors, surrogates, gay marriage, gay parenting, all the more normal you can make it, the healthier it is for the kids involved. Mm-hmm. There's no shame. Yeah. I'm making my family. Yeah. And, we, and this comes up a lot for us. And we've discussed this. Actually, we had a therapist on, Lisa the therapist. We call her lovingly. Um, she's we've, We speak to her all the time. She's like our personal therapist. But um, <laughs> she talks a lot about adoption. And she adopted her kids. And she has this, she talks about the drop the seed theory that was a big thing for adoption. And now they've, you know, it's morphed for all of our different kinds of families is you just drop that seed. You drop that tidbit of information about their origin story from the day that child has ears and you keep dropping these seeds and they take what they take when they're ready yeah. to take it. You don't mm-hmm. give more than they need and then you build on it as they get older. But it, then it's never a shock. Yeah, right. Right. Because the shock is where the problem comes in. But I think right. in some the, ways children- we're lucky because we— when when my kids started going to, it happened in daycare. My kids, they realized that there was dads dropping off other families. And so the oh. second that started happening, they knew they were different. You can't, you could pass forever. And right, then right. it would be only like some accidental thing at the hospital when the kids got a different like blood type from you. And they're like, wait a minute, or they do 23 and me. And, right. you know, but it's like you could Wait. choose to pass. We cannot. And it forces the conversation earlier. Which is actually a good thing, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I guess because for us with our son, whose name is Darwin with a Y, because we're just that pretentious. Um, <laughs> we've been very clear about the surrogacy the whole time. And he's met Kaylee's come with her kids and stayed at our house and we FaceTime with her and, you know, we have a real relationship with her. And, and I mean, he doesn't understand what any of it is yet, but like that's been out in the open. But the egg donor thing, it just doesn't come up. Like there hasn't really been a moment, but maybe daycare or maybe when they make family trees or maybe, you know, it's, it's really hard to say. I literally have kind of forgotten about it, but um, yeah, you just have to look for your moment. You you know, like we had something similar in that my kids have two different donors. And so like, and so, so the adding on to their origin story, I had to look for the right moment to introduce that. And I had to wait until they were old enough to even understand it, to understand what a donor sibling was. And for us, there's context because we are in touch with the different donors, siblings. Yes. And we have okay. secret Facebook groups for each of the donors. And so some of them even live nearby. Like one of Maxine's donor siblings lived and they live across the park from us right now. And so they see each other sometimes and they look similar. And one of my kids is interested and one is not at all. Right. And that's, you never know how the kids are going to react. But Robin, you're, I didn't tell you this oh my God, yet. Why? I just, we just had the um, donor sibling conversation <gasps> with you, Rose. You did? My you did? Yes. Because I've been stressing because she knows, obviously she knows she was, she, she's seen pictures of the donor. She knows about the donor. She, she knows that she and Orion share the same donor. We know, we know all of that. But I have been stressing this past year because she's finally old enough for me to explain you have your you have donor siblings. We don't know how many, and we can look into it. But you know, I've been stressing to Robin and on the podcast a little bit, like, how am I going to drop this in? I need to find the right time, and this is an extra layer that we have to do in our families. And every family has their own. Like Robin's was totally unique to her situation. Mine is unique to mine. Um, we finally did two nights ago. How old she started asking? And how she's old is seven. she? She's seven. Okay. So she's she's just it's it's time. Yeah, and she's obsessed. She wants a sister so bad. Oh, and I oh just gosh. said, you know, you want to hear something really cool? 
Rose, guess what? Because you have a donor, because we use this donor, you know what? There's other people who have probably used this donor too, which means you probably have some donor siblings. And she was like, (gasps) (laughs) I have... I have siblings? <laughs> Do you think they're girls? <laughs> like, it was amazing. She was so excited. I shouldn't have done it right before bedtime because she oh. was like off the walls. Like, oh, that's so awesome. Because we've also talked about this on the podcast a lot. We did. Well, the funny thing is I completely forgot until I heard that episode. This was the Chasing Rainbows episode. Just so you guys know <laughs> that I'm listening. Do I know you brought research. it up probably more than once, but I did listen to this one the other day. Um, I totally forgot that yeah, Darwin probably has yeah. donor siblings because the oh. donor made- we used had ha- had been a donor before and it had resulted in a successful pregnancy, which is one of the reasons we chose her. It's a lot yeah. to get your head around. It really yeah. is. And it took well, time you know what? for me. It's so funny. We interviewed way in the very beginning. We they were It's actually Robin's good friends. We interviewed this couple who were really close with the yeah, donor they siblings. With them. And they, they go on, like to Club Med together every oh year. Oh, my goodness. They are like family. Yeah. 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 What they said will always stick with me. It was, why wouldn't I want to give my child the most family I can? Yeah. And she said, said it's more love. Yeah. yeah. It's more love. And it was like, more love. That sticks with me. And I'm all about meeting them. It's just how we're going to go about it. And And I have to say, full disclosure, I would not be this way if I hadn't been looking for more sperm and met two of these wonderful women. And one of them had one more vial and she was in Bogota, Colombia. And she was like, I'll give it to you. And I went down and did an insemination in Bogota. So, okay. So, Robin, let's go back to you. So, we're on number two for you. You're jet setting all over the world following sperm donation. (laughs) Yeah. I did Bogota. (laughs) And then another person in Seattle sent me her last vial. um, And that didn't work. And when that didn't work, there was only a lady in Australia who had some. And I was just like, I can't go to Australia. I was like, we are out of miles. I was like, I don't have that much vacation time. I was like, and also it, it was like there was this reckoning of like, how, why are we going, why are we moving mountains to make sure our kids are 100% full siblings when Mary has no genetic connection to them. It's like, we can't, like, we've got to walk the walk, you know, talk the talk, whatever that is. Like, they're connected. Like, you would never look at them and be like, oh, they're not full siblings. Like, they are full siblings. Right. You know, they're just, they have different donors. And, And Mary is their mom. So it's like, and it was, so, but what's interesting is both times I had two different donors. So with my first kid, I had this one donor, I got pregnant, had the miscarriage, then had two more. And then we had only bought six vials. And when I went to go back to buy more, he was out of the program. And choosing oh. the donor is just, it can be that's this overwhelming thing. Yeah, that, thing. So I want, that's, I want to pause on that too. That's yeah. another question I have. You know, I talked, I know what I went through trying to find a donor that was kind of like me. And then, you know, George takes care of his side of things. But when it's two women... What are you looking for in a donor? Are you looking for both of you? Superman. What are you looking for? <laughs> Superman. We, we lovingly refer to this process as the search for Superman. And now, are there, could there be arguments in this too, where, you know, your partner prioritizes this and that, or maybe you feel like they're trying too hard to make it look like, like them and you're like, but what about me? And, or something like that. I mean, there, there could be arguments. Yeah. I don't think Anne and I ever argued. We didn't either. Yeah. We chose, um, we chose Mary's hair color, Mary's eye color which we both happen to have blue eyes, but because we wanted to mirror Mary. 
and we did the same thing, but we wanted to mirror both of us because mm-hmm. we knew we would both be carrying, and but we both look alike, so that was easy. That was easy. So we both. I mean, have I think hair. it's it goes along with parenting. Like, do you agree in general with your partner? I think then it's a fairly easy. And if you don't in general, then you're going to have a lot of problems to begin with. <laughs> right. Right. But I think it runs the game. But gamut, we had to pick really. four times. We had to pick four times because that first one was out of the program. So we picked again. And then I got pregnant the first time with the new donor for Maxine. And then I went all over Kingdom Come to try to get Henry that way. And then I gave up. We got a new donor first time I got pregnant with the new donor. So it was just like it was wow. all very meant to be. Like the kids and that yours- were supposed to show up showed up. And you said yours was a known donor, not just same, open? Same as Jamie's. No, I, we neither of us. Okay. We both used a bank. So you're and not like buds open. with these guys? Like, no. Hanging out. no. Oh, okay. I didn't want any of that. Yeah. I Do mean, I get feel, it. But. Yeah. Do you feel at all like you, they, your kids would benefit from some kind of male presence in your family? Or does it even matter, you know? Or do I, I they do. have one? I mean, there, there can certainly be men in your life that your kids are around. You know, it's, it's funny. I think we both... Do um, I think that I, I definitely think my kids could benefit from a male presence, and we try to we're we're always trying to find more male presence. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of lesbian friends. <laughs> we have a lot of lesbian friends, but I also have a lot of gay male friends who we try to bring around a lot. But like, um, <laughs> I I was really naive when I went into this because my growing up my mother was my world my mom was like the main parent and my dad was kind of like off to the side mm. and so and I, I never i wasn't a daddy's girl i love my dad loved my dad to pieces but i wasn't a daddy's girl um and so i just like naively thought well my kids aren't going to they're going to be fine they didn't have a dad i would have loved two moms like two of my mom hell yeah <laughs> um and and i got the exact opposite my daughter is kind of obsessed with fathers Wow. And asks about them and wants to know about them. So Interesting. We've had, I've, mm-hmm. Is that coming from like never, TV or where do you think that's coming from? Friends. Just friends from who have dads. School. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they see the world. Yeah. Um, they see that their family makeup is different on, and they, they, they're not mad about it. Like my daughter's not upset that she has two moms, but she's curious about that dad thing, mm. you know. And she is, she loves all the dads that are are close, you know, there, there are a couple dads who are like really, really engaged in our friend circle and she loves them. She loves to be around them. So that's something that has been kind of a reckoning for me. And yeah, that's something that we have to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Robin? Anything like that? I mean, like I have a bunch of guy friends from college who are around as you know, and so we, we try to make sure that there's that influence, but I mean, more than anything, I try to put sports in place for Henry. So he'll have like coaches and that's also just about, I want him to have that structure in a place where he has to work on himself in something that's outside of himself, if that makes sense. And I think mm, sports yeah. are, are great for that. I loved sports growing up. So, and I think having a coach, someone who drives him, that's not me, you know, that's, that's a man is great. And I think that's, you know, but I don't think it's a deal breaker or you have to, I just think it's, um, you know, mm. it's like I wear it wherever I can put it in. I do, but I feel the same way about putting in stuff. So they understand their family as it relates to the rest of the world. So my kids go to a camp in the summer where it's kids of other LGBTQ um, families. It's a week long sleep, sleepaway camp. Oh, that's and so awesome. that they have a place to talk about their family structure that doesn't have anything to do with me. Oh, wow. And that's a, an interesting thing. We talk, we've talked to a lot of um, children of LGBTQ couples, uh, families, um, queer spawn, they call themselves. <laughs> um, they, they talk a lot about 
feeling strongly about being a member of the queer community and that is their family and that is their home and they are proud to be a part of the queer community and they really, really identify as queer, even if, even if they come heterosexual, even if oh wow, yeah, right, we, yeah. And one girl compared it to like Judaism. She said, you know, it's like if like I feel the same way about the queer community as I do. Like it's part of me and who I am. She's born into right. it. Yeah, right. Just like and, and then yeah. and then they grow up and and they go out into the world and they're not they're not experienced as queer anymore if right. they're not living a queer gay life. lifestyle. Yeah. And so they find oh. that they have to, like, prove themselves and they feel kind of isolated and they have to get back to their queer um, culture. So it's really it's really interesting. And so it's interesting that Maxine is, like, finding these queer folks yeah. to to be wow. friends with because that's home. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm um, curious about your families as, as you know, you, had, you came out to your families. Now you're trying to have kids. Have your relationships with your families or your family's relationship to your being gay changed over the course of this time? And especially once you had kids, did that make some changes? Who wants to go first? I mean, my mom was already gone. Uh, she had died by the time, like, she died, like, the, when I met Mary. So mm. I, I didn't have anything there. But my dad, I was always, like, afraid. I didn't know how he was going to do with it. Like, I mean, he was, like, fine with the gay thing. I mean, he was kind of like, I guess I always knew. You know, he was just kind of, <laughs> you know, was what was it because I played football? I mean, like, maybe there were some indicators <laughs> right. along the way that he should have. So, but what was really interesting was, I think he just assumed that that meant I wouldn't have children. And so when I told him, it was like his, it was like a birthday party for him. It might've been a surprise or whatever. And I told him on that trip that me and Mary were getting ready to try. And this was like for Maxine. And he was through the roof excited. And everywhere I went, and now this was in North Carolina. So you're in the oh. middle of a red state and and we're down there and 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 he, everywhere we went around the party, everyone was like, so you two are having a baby. And I was like, <laughs> we have not even started trying yet. And he was walking around from person to person to person telling everyone that we were going to have a baby. And it was so wonderful. And, and he was so happy when I had a boy because he always wanted to have a son and never had a son. And thank God he got to meet Henry before he passed away. And it was it was really nice. Like, he, he got to see him oh, a couple times. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I'm curious for you, too, Jamie. What, what's that been like? My parents was always pretty easy. Um, but my wife's family, older um, and out in Queens, like Manhattan and Queens their whole lives. and Forget about they're older it. Older <laughs> and, 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 yeah, forget about it. And really Catholic, extremely Catholic. Oh. Yeah, so getting married was kind of an interesting oh. thing. And... When my wife asked her mom, she came. She came to the wedding. Although she said that if we invited Michelle Obama, she was not coming to the oh. wedding, which was interesting. <laughs> I know. It was. Were you planning to invite Michelle Obama, or you, that was just well, symbolic of? Uh, no, when it was Obama was president, and if you sent them an invitation, they would send you back a letter. Interesting. So I we missed did the boat that. On we this, told but. her we were doing that, and her response was, "If you revive, if you invite that woman to the wedding, I oh my gosh." We were like, uh, okay. she's not going to come, Marge. <laughs> Marge. But, so when when Anne got pregnant, um, I think her response was, what? How? What? <laughs> she was very confused and not really I wish people could see your face when you do that because it really adds to the impression. But yeah. <laughs> so that um, she was very, she was confused about it and not necessarily on board. But as Anne grew and as the pregnancy went on, she 
grandma became much more involved and much more open to it. And, and even her dad was like, oh, okay, this is happening. This is actually cool. And I think she started, you know, and now with both of the kids, they're, they love those kids so much. And yeah. it's gotten, it's made me and I'm closer to, to them now. They, cause I didn't really have much of a relationship with them before that. And now I'm just the other mom, so we have to interact. And I'm close with them now. I'm much closer. It's almost like so they see it helped. as a—not not your in-laws, but in general, they see it as a real family when there's kids. It's like, other, yeah. otherwise, it's just that's the girlfriend you keep bringing around. But once there's kids, it's like, oh, this is a family. And also, yeah. I think, you know, it's it said that part of the rejection of homosexuality when, when kids come out to their parents is their parent—I know this happened to a friend of mine. When he came out to his parents, they immediately assumed that meant he was going to lead a life of loneliness and isolation yeah. and misery. Yep. And right. it doesn't occur to them that you can have clearly just as much love and fulfillment in your life as a gay person that you do as a straight person. And then That's when you have those have this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if these ovaries could talk. <laughs> the things um, we've learned about making an LGBTQ family. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but it's true, you know, and then suddenly I think having the grandkids really cements it because, you know, I yeah. guess if you really are scared for your child, you can make yourself believe they'll get divorced or they'll separate from their partner. But once there's a child, the child's not going to disappear, all being well. So, you yeah. know, that's really that I think that can seal the deal for a lot of, yeah. of grandparents, you know. And, yeah. And, yeah, I think my mom, my mom always thought it was a phase. And I think the, the grandkids did solidify the fact. I think she finally realized, OK, this is not a phase. So she like moved past that. That's really. And as parents now, do you have different roles? Is there a mom and a mommy or a mama or like? Uh, well, I, it, we talk about this a lot. Like it, we get to choose our roles in our families because there is no set mold and we're making it up as we go, mm -hmm. basically. Like I'm I'm mama and Anne is mommy. And we decided those names before the kids were speaking. We decided I'm going to be this, you're going to be that. And we gave those names to our kids. Some couples let the kids decide what they're going to call them and we weren't feeling mm -hmm. that because I didn't want to be called Mom Jane mm -hmm. or something. Like, I, I needed a, a real mom name. But, every, you know, everybody, everybody's different with I mean, the, the We just had the one episode where the woman chose the Ferengi word for mom, like so a Star Trek yeah. reference, uh, <laughs> as, and that was, her, <laughs> that was her name. But, like, Mary took yeah. Mommy because she I got the genetics. And she wanted mommy. Oh, right. So I was like, great, okay. So I'm mom, but then the kids naturally call me mama, which I was like, right. at the time when they first started doing it, I was like, it sounds like big mama. And I was like, I don't <laughs> like this. But I was like, they came up with it on their own, so that's what it is. And do you have different kind <laughs> like, of roles? Is one of you more like the admin person, the other one's more hands-on? Or how does it work over there? Well, actually, you you say this really well, Robin, like how we just kind of fall into the we're roles best we're best at. We're good. Yeah, like I, mm. if you're going to be really heteronormative about it, like – I'm more of the dad in that I go to the sports things, but I'm also like the mom because I handle the finances and all the school things. And the and Mary takes them. She's more like the dad because she's the one who's most likely to slip them a donut when no one's looking. <laughs> it's like, and she's the fun one who comes in and wrecks things. And I'm like, you left the oven on. Like, it's like, so we're like a big jumble of roles based on personality and not um, society norms. Yeah. Like there's no, no one's telling you what to do. no. We get to design our families on all levels, though. Like, it starts with the names. It starts with, even before that, it starts with who's carrying, who's not. Like, our families are uniquely designed. 
right from the get-go yeah. because they have to be. And I think we we see, it's so funny that anybody would have any issue with LGBTQ parents because we we pay so much for our children. We we work so hard to have them. We go through all this struggle and strife. So that, and that naturally sets us up to be thoughtful parents. Right. You know, I mean, right. it's like- You've worked we, so like, hard for it. Like you asking that question about like, what do you, how do you feel about having male role models? We have had millions of discussions about that. And we- thoughtfully put things in our kids' lives to make sure that they're not missing anything. And and that is just one example of thousands of how we parent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we still Which stink. Is, you know what I mean? Like, we're I horrible. Mean, we still start <laughs> yelling at our kids <laughs> when we shouldn't and losing our oh temper God, and our, drinking a little bit too yes, much wine. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much. Is there anything else you want to add before we all sign off anything I just want to say when I was talking about the Obamas coming to the <laughs> wedding and when Marge said if you know if that if that woman comes to the wedding I'm not coming um I, I, we laughed that off but no that is not a cool thing for someone to say and we are aware of this and Jamie that's why we laughed only- but that's what yeah right but this Jamie it, like, always wants to clarify she never wants to I offend clarify, anybody like, I don't I don't condone that language that she used. I'm just saying that was my. She's 800. That's what yeah. She's 800. No, I know you were speaking for her when you said it. Right. Right. Yeah. I just no, I got that. that. I got that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was loud and clear. No problem. But I'll okay. make sure it's clear on this. No, I'm just. Okay. I'm so okay. glad that you reached out to us and that we all got together for this because it's just like there's this lovely community that there's like the community that we're trying to create for the podcast, but then there's this community of of like women. Um, who are having these conversations. And Jamie and I are just, the more more normalization needs to happen on all these topics, not just LGBTQ families, but also about mom shame, about, you know, mom rage, about all, all of these things, postpartum, just, so I'm Absolutely. so glad we were able to like, just be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank, thank you for joining me. This was, so, this was really a great, great chat. We'll have to have you on the um, the live stream. I would so love yeah. that. We'll, we'll set that up. <laughs> yeah, it's been awesome. great. Thanks for hanging out with Rob and Jamie and me. Please check out their podcast and their book, both called If These Ovaries Could Talk, at ovariestalk.com. You're welcome. The IVFU podcast is produced by me, Sam Shaber, and Emmeline Summerton. Audio mastered by Logan Heftel. Thanks to Chris Benelli for the late night Pro Tools parties, George Strayton for marriage, and Gary Scott for greasing the wheels. IVFU is a production of Inside Voices Media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IVFU Podcast. You can download our theme song, Freakin' Love, at IVFUPodcast.com. And we'd love for you to review us on Apple Podcasts and spread the word to anyone who might be helped by these conversations. You can also be a huge help by leaving us a tip of any size, whatever you can afford, on Venmo and PayPal.me at IVFU Podcast. Thank you. And thanks for listening. I'm happy we shared this time together because it's all about being a family. Family.